I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. O when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that's worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. That's Psalm 101, which along with Psalm 109 are the psalms appointed for today, Wednesday, August the 11th, 2021. Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding. I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being with me today. We're continuing our uh, study in the life of David, this time 2 Samuel 14, 20-23. The book of Acts, uh, chapter 21, verses 15-26. to We'll be looking more at Paul and in the Gospel, which is Mark 10, 17-31. So, what we've got is, remember yesterday, Joab... Uh, put a woman up to going before the Lord and and telling a fa- to the Lord to David and telling a false tale to David in order that she might then make it applicable to his situation with Absalom so that he would call Absalom back because David's heart and his mind were divided he wasn't leading the people because his mind was set on Absalom who had killed his brother and so <clears throat> the 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 woman convinces him and so then David calls Joab and says bring back the young man Absalom. And Joab fell on his face to the ground and paid homage and blessed the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord the king, and that the Lord has granted the request of his servant. So he did. He goes to Gesher where Absalom's been hiding, and he brings him to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him dwell apart in his own house. He's not to come into my presence. So for a couple of years, Absalom lives in his own house and stays away. And then we're told in a digression how awesome Absalom was. Now in all Israel, there was no one so much to be praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. Again, we're 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 going to get this sort of uh, what is it? What is some, what is something? What is the appearance of somebody? But God sees the heart, right? And so so we're, what we're told is is that man, if you just wanted to to go to central casting and say I need, I need a good looking guy to be the king, it would have been Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. When he cut the hair of his head. It, it, he weighed it. It was 200 shekels by the king's weight. I mean, the, the guy was a big, good-looking guy with an incredible head of hair. And then he had three sons and a daughter, and her name was Tamar, which is the name of his sister who had been raped by, Abs, by Amnon. And we're told she was a beautiful woman. So for two years, he lives in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence, and now he wants him to come by. So he, he sends for Joab, and Joab won't go. He says a second time, Joab won't go. Then says, see, Joab's field is next to mine. He has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So they did. And then Joab arose and went to Absalom at his house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom said, Hey, I asked you twice to come and get me, to ask. Why have I bothered to come from Gesher? It'd be better if I was there. And now, therefore, let me go into the presence of the king. And if there's guilt in me, let, let him put me to death. He knows David's not going to do that. And Joab, or not Joab, but Absalom can plead his case. He can plead that it was justifiable homicide because of what Amnon had done to his sister Tamar. 
and failed to do the right thing after that. Um, and as Tamar had pointed out to, to Amnon, if you would just be patient and you would have asked my father, then he would have given me to you. We're half siblings, not whole siblings. So, so David would have done that, she says. But no, you raped me. And now he hated her because of what he had done to her. And so that's the reason that Absalom killed him. And so Absalom is, is believing that he can, he can justify what he has done under the law, that he is getting revenge or avenging the sin done to his sister. And so he's willing to go before David because he knows David's mercy and he knows David's love. And so Joab goes to the king and tells him, and, and the king summoned Absalom, and he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. And so the, the reconciliation is complete that Absalom has now come back to David and been allowed into his presence, and that kiss would signify forgiveness. It would signify that, that his desire was for reconciliation. Think about that story in light of the parable of the prodigal son. You know, you can see David wants Absalom. I mean, he had to have been at some level sort of the apple of his eyes, the perfect-looking guy. But the Lord sees the heart, and Absalom's heart was dark, Absolutely dark. And we're going to see that unfold over the next uh, few days in our lessons. But, but David wanted restoration of that relationship. He's his son. He loved him. And he never failed to love him. He continued to love him. What he wouldn't do is discipline him. <laughs> and so this, this issue just continues on and on. There's a reason there's never peace in David's house. Because, because these men are, are sinning against one another constantly. And so there needs a reboot for the house of David, and that's going to be Solomon. So in this passage from the gospel today in Mark, what we get is the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, and he asks him an interesting question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, it's an odd way to phrase that, right? How do I inherit eternal life? Well, what is the law of inheritance? I mean, you have to wait for the for the son, the, the heir, the owner to die and so the answer to that is 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 that jesus has to die for anyone to inherit eternal life requires the death of of jesus requires the death of the heir who then shares the inheritance with all of us and jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good except god alone in other words did you see do you know who i am um it's flattery Jesus says, that's all you're bringing to the table here is flattery. It's, it's a sincere question from the standpoint of you want that. But it's, not, it's insincere the way you asked it. And then he gives an interesting answer, right? You know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. He leaves out some stuff, right? He leaves out all the first commandments, which have to do with God, You'll have no other God before me. And he also leaves out, don't covet. It's interesting that, that he leaves those two things out because his answer is based in that. So he says to him, Teacher, I've kept all these from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So, it's the same thing as with Absalom, right? You judge him by appearances. I, I, I can't give away what I have. 
because I'm not certain of eternal life. Jesus says the only way you can be certain of eternal life is to do this. Give away all the things that please you, all the things you're holding on to for dear life. Give all that away, give it to the poor, and and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with what I got. And that's what he does, and he goes away. And Jesus offered him an opportunity to come and follow him. He offered an opportunity for this man to come and be his disciple. But instead, because he had great wealth, he says, I'll keep that, because I'm not sure about the other. So if Jesus is truly good, right, good biblically, I don't mean good in just a worldly way of saying it, because Jesus points to that immediately, then, he, then he'll give up everything that he has. Jesus tells the parables of the kingdom that says it's like the treasure hidden in a field. It's like that lost coin. It's, it's, it's the most valuable thing you can think of. And you'll sell everything else in order to have it. And so it's in line with the parables that he's told. But, but here, obviously, what he's exposing is, is that you kept the commandments, um, the, the positive commandments about how to treat other people. But, but your heart, is the problem. You you love that stuff you have more than God. He, he, you're not willing to exchange your earthly inheritance for a heavenly one. And so he's exposed his heart. He's exposed what he covets as well. He's exposed the fact that he doesn't love God with his whole heart. Not if it's going to require him to lose something and give something up. And so so that's what Jesus does to him. But I, I think it's quite clear that Jesus would have been brokenhearted by this man's response, too. Because he doesn't, when he heals people and when he answers their questions, he normally doesn't offer, hey, come and follow me at the end of it. But here he does. And so this man uh, walks away. And I've heard uh, at least two different sermons from people um, that, that are friends of mine at some level. Um, I've heard them say, well, this man's in hell today because he didn't do what Jesus said. And in both cases, well, at least in one of the cases, I could look at the guy and say, well, wait a minute. When I first met you, you told me you were called to ministry, but then you wouldn't go to seminary and you wouldn't do this, that, and the other thing because you hadn't built the big house yet. You know, to his credit, he built a big house and then he went to seminary, so he did do that. But you can't say that this man today had one chance when you've had multiple chances. We don't know the end of this man's story. We have no earthly idea who he is or how the story ends. Some of the early church fathers thought he was Paul. So if, if it's Paul, when these guys get to heaven, Paul's waiting on them, right? <laughs> how dare you? But it's the honest truth is, is that, that we, we don't get one chance at eternal life. We have no earthly idea how many chances we have because we'll overlook a lot of our own sin. I mean, I've, I've been this guy. Certainly I was him when I was doing consulting work and expert testimony and all that kind of stuff. And the Lord called me. I mean, we made a decision that, well, we can't afford to do that just yet. We'll wait. Well, that didn't make it easier. Let's just say that. So anyway, Jesus, after this, looks at his disciples and says how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are amazed at his words because they thought that that was a sign of God's pleasure and blessing on life. So Jesus said to them, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They were exceedingly astonished and said to him, who can be saved? Jesus looked at him and said, with man it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, see, we've left everything and followed you. I mean, hey, hey, are we in? Are we good? Are we good to go? 
We've left everything. And Jesus says, truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or children or father or lands for my sake and for the gospel who won't receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and first last, last first. And what's crazy is the health and wealth gospel would teach you exactly the opposite of that. A sign of God's favor would be that you would have much. It's not a call to come and leave everything and follow him. It's a call to come and follow him that you might have everything. And it's a lie. Because I experienced this, right? I mean, I experienced it today. I experienced it all the time. I do have brothers and sisters and mothers and children. I have all kinds of things because I have access to those things because I have mothers and brothers and fathers and sisters. People that love me and share things with me who say, hey, when you're coming to the beach, come stay with me. Here, take my boat whenever you want to go out. Don't buy a boat. I have an extra one. You just take it, John. But I don't possess those things, but I have them. And so when Jesus says this, yes, because of, uh, of Christians loving one another, yes, we can have all those things. It doesn't mean that you're just going to be incredibly wealthy. It, it, that's a lie from the pit of hell. <clears throat> so, and that's exactly what Jesus is saying here today. The thing that we need to be concerned about most is wealth because it, it steals our hearts it takes us away from him. It causes us to value something else more than we value him. And it's the same thing with Absalom here. And, and it's because we can see these things. And we, we have an idea of what's good and what's beautiful. But Jesus looks at it differently. And he says, give all that stuff away. It's meaningless stuff. Ultimately, in the end, man, you won't be able to take that with you anyway. It's not going to belong to you. Read the book of um, Ecclesiastes, and you'll see Solomon said the same thing, and he had more than you do. And he said, I realized that none of this was anything more than vanity. And we've got to develop that attitude. It's not easy to do, and sometimes the only way God can let us develop that attitude is to take it all away from us. <clears throat> but it's not just a sense of detachment from it. It's literally, he didn't give him a, a sort of an opportunity to, as Bonhoeffer said, to sort of go, oh, okay, you know what, I'll just keep them, but I'll you know, sort of live as though they don't possess me. And Jesus' response would have been, no, 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 no. They do possess you. That's the reason you're not giving them away. The proof that they don't possess you is giving them away. He didn't have some uh, spiritual sort of giving away in mind. It was real. It was physical. So then here we go into the Acts lesson. And so now they're going to go to Jerusalem. Remember Agabus yesterday said, hey, they're going to bind you hand and foot when you go to Jerusalem. And Paul says, I'm going anyway. And so they go. And they go to Jerusalem, and when they get there, the brothers received us gladly. And on the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. And after greeting them, he related one by one the things God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. Perfect. And then they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who believed? They're zealous for the law. You're out there making converts among the Gentiles, and that's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. And they're going to say later, in fact, we sent them a letter and said, these are the only things you really need to worry about. But, 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 but there's a lot of Jews, and they're zealous for the law. And what they're hearing is that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. He's, he's basically saying, Paul, you're an antinomian. You're telling Jews who know the law that they can reject the law and only keep the stuff the Gentiles know about. And, and I don't think Paul would ever 
thought that. Paul would have said, no, continue to walk. Continue to walk in the law. Continue to walk in what you know. Because, again, they think this is a short-term situation. And so they don't, they don't have time to teach the Gentiles everything. Um, they, they just say, okay, we're going to boil it down to this. This is going to be the most important stuff. This is what you have to do. And when you come back, Jesus will be, you know, Jesus comes back, you'll be fine. And so that's the point of what they're saying is they don't think this is going to last another couple thousand years. Here's the Cliff's notes to what you really need to do is kind of what they're telling them in the commandment that we get from the Jerusalem elders in, in Acts 15. So they said, since they've heard all that, since they're t- this was since they hear that you're telling Jews to forsake all this stuff, here, we need you to do something for us, okay? How about this? We've got four men who are under a vow. You take a Nazarite vow or whatever, and so you couldn't cut your hair for a certain period of time, and you didn't drink wine or, or be with women. And that was sort of the, the Samson was under the, that Nazarite vow from the time he was born, which is really unusual. Usually took it for a period of time. It would be like saying, I'm going to do a 40-day fast. Um, and so that then they take them. So these four men, we want you to take them and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. So, so it's got to be done properly. You've got to leave the ringlets and all that. So you're not going to shave them bald. They're, they're, they've got to pay to get ritually shaved. So thus all will know that there's nothing in what they have been told about you, but you yourself also live in, a, in observance of the law. So these men, there's a, there's a, they're under a Nazarite vow, and so they have certain things under the law that has to be done. And what we'd like you to do is be their sponsor to take them into the temple and, and to get this thing taken care of. And they can see then that you're paying the fees and you're doing things in accordance and observance of the law. All right? How about that, Paul? If you do that, then we'll all, we'll all be good. The Jews can see you and everything will be fine. But as far as the Gentiles, we've sent him a letter and said, this is all you got to do. So Paul took them in, and the next day he purified himself along with them, which would mean that he took a mikvah, and a bath, ritual bath, and went into the temple giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each of them, because they presented themselves in order to, to redeem themselves from under the vow, is essentially what it is, to say, okay, you fulfilled the vow that you made, but now you need to pay the price in order that you can walk away from the vow today. So Paul is going to do things in observance with the law. He's going to do things so that there's an outward appearance is created that other people can see. You hear it? All three of these lessons today are about outward appearances, and we need to be careful about what outward appearance we're giving, certainly. But we also need to to, to examine the motives behind that outward appearance. Are we doing it to please people? Are we doing it to please God? Those are the things that we need to always be paying attention to. Is is that, yep, you want to make make sure that you're doing things right so that you can't be criticized for them, but are you doing it that you can't be criticized by men or are you doing those things to please God? 